This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to the Flourish at Home Show. Your host, Mary Jo Tate, is an international book editor, the homeschooling mom of four boys, and the author of Flourish, Balance for Homeschool Moms. Mary Jo loves to help moms find peace, order, and balance by sharing practical tips, inspiration, and encouragement. Visit her website at flourishathome.com. And now, here's your host, Mary Jo Tate. Welcome to the Flourish at Home show. I'm Mary Jo Tate, and today we're going to talk about making Christmas memories without sacrificing your sanity. You know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Moms are always under a lot of pressure to do everything and to do everything just right, and the holidays just increase the pressure. Sometimes it's expectations that other people, maybe our family, have for us. Sometimes it's comparing ourselves with uh, friends and neighbors. Or, heaven help us, even Pinterest and the glossy magazine photos that we see of the perfect Christmas celebrations. Well, I'm a recovering perfectionist. I like things to be just so, but I also like to stay sane. So I'm going to talk a lot about how I've continued and modified some of my family's Christmas traditions over the years to achieve both of those goals. Of course, the most important thing about celebrating Christmas and making Christmas memories is to remember the reason we're celebrating it. Christ is the reason for Christmas. One of the ways we do this in our family is by a daily Advent reading. Over the years, we've used different daily readers using John Piper's free ebook called Good News of Great Joy, which you can download. Another one of our favorite traditions that helps us keep focused on Christ and Christmas is the Christmas Eve communion service at our church. Everybody goes dressed however they are that day. It's a very special service. We light candles. We partake of communion. And it's a wonderful way to fellowship with others and to remember the real reason for the season. Now, I really love Christmas and all of our traditions, and I like to decorate early and keep the decorations up for a long time so that we can enjoy them. We hang garlands on our mantle, on our stair railing. We weave them through our baskets on top of the bookshelves. One of the things I love about having older kids now is that I can delegate stuff like this. Andrew's in charge of all the garlands and of putting the tree up. We have a nutcracker collection that we add to every year. I've got to remember to buy a new nutcracker for our collection this year. They come in all sizes from little bitty tree ornaments to one that's about three feet tall. The boys all have personalized needlepoint stockings that were gifts from their grandmother. We have a Christmas candelabra on the table, and it's kind of surprising. My boys are rather sentimental, um, and they enjoy having dinner by candlelight. Just ordinary dinner. It doesn't have to be a special dinner. We have a Christmas countdown calendar on the door, and those are just a few of the things. Of course, decorating the tree is the main way that we decorate the house. Now, we start it early, keep it up for a long time. We used to decorate the day after Thanksgiving, and now we often do it before Thanksgiving because as a single parent, my boys visit their dad and their grandparents, uh, usually on Thanksgiving afternoon and for the rest of the weekend. So we've adjusted that, and that's okay. I enjoy sitting in front of the fireplace with the fire blazing and only the tree lights turned on and the rest of the house dark and quiet. When I started uh, decorating the house for Christmas as a new mom, I was cross-stitching. 
I thought I was going to make a cross-stitch sampler for each of my babies and also a cross-stitch ornament for every year for Christmas. How hard could it be to make an ornament for each child once a year? Ha! By the time I had three kids, that became a joke. I have a basket or a bag or a box somewhere, maybe in the dresser, maybe in the top of my closet, with ornaments. I finished stitching several for the oldest child. The youngest child has one that's halfway done. Never got into making them to ornaments. Maybe they'll end up being for my grandchildren someday. One tradition that I have been able to maintain, though, is buying an ornament for each child each year. These might be things like a Hallmark series of ornaments. One of my boys collects the trains, another one Snoopy, someone else Dr. Seuss, and someone else the superheroes. Or just something that we find that represents something they're interested in, like running or scouts or something like that. I also add to our ornament collection by buying an ornament everywhere that I travel. And these are great keepsakes. Instead of just cheap little tacky souvenirs, I've got something that is a great yearly reminder of a special place that I visited. I have ornaments from the Grand Canyon, from Ireland, from Blowing Rock, North Carolina, from California, and one very special one from the Rocky Mountain National Park when I drove over Trail Ridge Road, which was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. And getting out that Christmas ornament every year reminds me of being able to accomplish something that was way out of my comfort zone. I also still have an awful lot of ornaments from my own childhood. My parents used to buy us personalized little hand-painted wooden ornaments that were for sale at the state fair, I think it was, I've got a Snoopy, I've got a little uh, choir girl, a Santa Claus, a reindeer, and so on. And it's very special to pull these out uh, and remember them from my childhood. We weren't big on crafts when I was growing up, but I do remember very clearly the time that we made the stained glass Christmas ornaments in our laundry room in Jackson, Mississippi, when I was in probably about the fourth grade, and how much fun that was and how special it was to do that. And I still have a very faded green glass ball with my name on it in silver glitter from my fifth grade classroom. I still have the bows that I made the first year I was married straight out of college. Uh, We didn't have a Christmas tree. We had a weeping fig tree in the corner. And so I just tied bows on it out of red plaid ribbon. I used to use those on our regular Christmas tree until we had too many ornaments. And this year, my oldest son has taken those off to his apartment at college to decorate his own tree. As our collection has grown, we've had to be more selective. We put some of the ornaments on the shelves now. And when all of the boys have duplicate ornaments, we'll put only one of them on the tree. But it will shrink again. As they grow up and leave home, they'll be taking their own ornament collections with them. Forrest took a lot of them to his college apartment this year, but he left a lot of them on the tree at home since he'll still be home for a couple of weeks. Now, when the kids were younger, we used to hang breakable ornaments high on the tree to protect them from toddlers. Now we have to protect them from cats. Some years our cats leave the tree alone, and other years they go kind of crazy. This happens to be one of those crazy years. One of our cats, Pippin, was lost for almost two months earlier this year. And since she came home and recovered from the trauma of being lost, she's gotten kind of feisty. So she's spending a lot of time lurking around the tree suspiciously. And so far we found Mickey Mouse, the Abominable Snowman, Spider-Man, and Perry the Platypus on the floor in front of the tree. So we've moved all those breakable ornaments up a little bit higher. One year, now this was not the fault of the cats, but my most traumatic Christmas memory is the year the tree fell down with all the decorations on it. 
with the doors to the wood stove open and a fire burning while my boys were away from home. I was sitting in the recliner, blissfully enjoying the tree lights and the fire, just like I've described, one of those sweet special Christmas memories, a little special time for myself while I had the house alone. And I noticed that it looked like the tree was wobbling just a little bit. And then it wobbled and it leaned and it leaned and I managed to spring up out of the chair, jump over there and catch it as it was about a third of the way tilting over. And I propped it up, but here was the deal. I didn't have any way to let go of it and summon help. And I couldn't just stand there holding it till my kids came back the next day. I managed to kick the door to the wood stove closed. I could not reach the telephone. And finally, I sort of stuck the tree in the corner, raced for the telephone, came back over and dialed a neighbor and asked him to come over and help me. And then I remembered that I had the front door not only locked, but also deadbolted. So somehow I propped the tree up, got the door open, got back over to the tree. And by the time the neighbor had gotten there, I had taken off most of the ornaments and put them on the television stand. So when we set up our tree this year, we were really careful to make the stand sturdy. And I still kind of have PTSD from that from that incident. I love choosing special gifts for each person, not just something to give as a gift, but something that will really be meaningful and special to them. Uh, in my family growing up, we always had two-part Christmas. We had wrapped gifts from the family on Christmas Eve and gifts under the tree from Santa Claus on Christmas morning. Yes, we do Santa. It's never been traumatic or a crisis of faith for anyone in my family. I understand there are some families that don't do Santa, and that's fine. But it has always been a special tradition for us, and my boys enjoy it and understand that it's just a game that we play, a tradition that we practice. Now, in our family, Christmas gifts always include books. My boys know that whether it's their birthday or Christmas, at least one gift for me is going to be books, usually the heaviest box. Some of my boys like to make a Christmas list, and some of them prefer to be surprised. Um, so it's always interesting to see how their different personalities come into play. On Christmas morning, with their gifts from Santa, they used to have individual gifts. And quite a few years ago, we shifted to having one big gift for the whole family together, like a Lego castle. In fact, this morning, my 19-year-old son, Andrew, says this was actually his idea, and it probably was. But that has worked out very well with individual gifts on Christmas Eve and then gifts for the whole family, like a, a board game or a Lego castle or something like that on Christmas morning. One of the traditions that we enjoy, both as gifts and as family time together, is reading books. On um, We try to read every night in December in addition to our Advent reading a Christmas book. doesn't always happen perfectly. Like I said, a lot of this is about uh, not sacrificing your sanity. So it doesn't happen every night, but as often as we can, we'll sit around the fire together with the tree lights on and read a Christmas book together in addition to our Advent reading. Some of the ones that we love the most are An Orange for Frankie by Patricia Polacco, The Baker's Dozen, A St. Nicholas Tale by Aaron Shepard, The Twelve Days of Christmas Cats by Don Daly, The Nutcracker by E.T.A. Hoffman, the adaptation by Janet Schulman, Dream Snow by Eric Carle, The Christmas Cat by Efner Tudor Holmes, illustrated by her mother, Tasha Tudor, and Twas the Night Before Christmas by Clement Moore, illustrated by Jesse Wilcox-Smith. Now, some interesting things have grown up around um, 
some of these books and an orange for Frankie, uh, the family in the story, their oranges are their very special gift for a very poor family during hard times. And it reminds us of how blessed we are. But one year we decided to add some oranges to our mantle as part of our Christmas decorations. And it was really special and really nice. But we left the decorations up so long that when we took the oranges off the mantle, we found that they had rotted on the bottom. So sometimes those clever, creative ideas don't work out so well. Um, We also enjoy watching Christmas movies together. I'm seeing a lot of people on Facebook asking what everybody's favorite Christmas movies are. Some of our favorites are, the, of course, the classic, It's a Wonderful Life, A Christmas Carol. We like the one with George C. Scott as Ebenezer Scrooge. He just is Scrooge. We love A Charlie Brown Christmas, The Polar Express, The Nutcracker, and the family's kind of divided. I, lo- I still love the classics like Rudolph and Frosty the Snowman. Sometimes the boys like them. Sometimes they think they're a little cheesy, but uh, they can still be fun to watch. Music is a big part of our Christmas. When we decorate our tree, we listen to my favorite Christmas album, which is One Wintry Night by Jerry Reed Smith and Lisa Maria Smith. Uh, This is beautiful instrumental music on instruments like the hammered dulcimer, just beautiful, beautiful music. And that's what tells us this is the start of our Christmas season. We also love Dan Fogelberg's album, The First Christmas Morning, James Taylor's Christmas album, A Charlie Brown Christmas by Vince Guaraldi and Handel's Messiah. The recording that we have is by the London Symphony Orchestra and Choir. We also like to listen to Christmas music in the car as well as just around the house. And it just adds a festive touch to the season. Now, one of the traditions that means the most to me is sending and receiving Christmas cards or newsletters. I love catching up with family and friends this way. In some ways, it seems like Facebook is kind of uh, minimizing the significance of this because we can see pictures and keep up with people all year long. But I still think it's special to have that physical reminder and a physical picture that you can uh, attach to your refrigerator or keep in a collection and display. Now, it's always traumatic to take our family Christmas photo. My boys hate to be photographed, but I tell them it's in the fine print of my contract. I gave birth to them. Therefore, I am entitled to photograph them whenever I want to. We have to re-argue the fine print every year for some reason. Now, I used to be a real perfectionist about sending out the Christmas card on time. And over the years, as life got crazier and busier, my Christmas card got later and later. I used to want to have it sent out in time to arrive before Christmas. Then I thought it was good enough if I just had it postmarked before Christmas. Then I got a little looser and I thought, okay, as long as it's postmarked in the same calendar year as the year for which I'm writing it. So our, you know, Christmas 2007 newsletter could go out on December 31st, 2007, and that would still count. And then it got later and later, and a couple of years I sent one out in January. Well, I set some kind of record in the year 2012, because that was the year that I mailed our Christmas card on St. Patrick's Day. Yes, on March 17th, I mailed our 2011 uh, Christmas card. I mailed it in March of 2012. Now, last year, I skipped it altogether. 
Now, this is kind of ironic because last year was the year I published my book, Flourish, Balance for Homeschool Moms, which is all about getting things done and managing your time and setting goals. And, you know, so I should be able to handle sitting at a Christmas card, right? Well, early in the year, a very dear friend who always has wise advice told me maybe I should just skip the Christmas card this year because I was so busy. I thought, no, 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 I'm not going to skip that. Well, it got later and later and later, and it just never went out. So this year, we have already taken our Christmas picture when my college son was home for Thanksgiving, and my goal is to get the letter out before Christmas. We'll see what happens. Now, of course, a big part of Christmas traditions is the food. And my family always had wonderful Christmas meals when I was growing up. My mom was a great cook. She never let me do any of the work. She and dad always did the the cooking and the special work for Thanksgiving and Christmas. I remember uh, dad chopping the onions and the celery and mom slaving over the hot stove. And I don't remember really helping very much. Um, I put my boys to work a lot more than that. The first year that I lived way away from home was in 1989. My parents were back home in Mississippi, and my then-husband and I were living in South Carolina. And my parents were going to come visit us for Thanksgiving and bring my grandmother and my great-uncle. So my mother sent me a four-page handwritten letter with instructions on what to buy and have on hand. She was going to do most of the cooking, but she sent me recipes and instructions. I still have those. It's a real treasure. My mom passed away a couple of years ago, so that handwritten letter of, of holiday instructions is really special to me. It includes details like, please buy three cans Campbell's chicken broth, parentheses, coupon enclosed, and buy a 16-ounce package of sour cream, parentheses, check date. She was going to make sure she covered every little detail. She even stuck a $10 bill into the envelope to help me cover the stuff that she couldn't bring herself. And so mom used to always cook Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner. And then when she was getting older and her health was failing, I started doing the cooking myself. And I followed her recipes until the year I fried the motherboard. Uh, yes, one year, several years ago, as I was cooking our Christmas turkey, um, the motherboard in our oven shorted out. Now, I'm thinking that you really shouldn't use the word motherboard and the word oven in the same sentence, much less the same appliance. And if you do, that the motherboard should be, you know, like heat resistant or something. I don't know. Maybe I have unreasonable expectations. Anyway, ever since the year I fried the motherboard, I have outsourced our turkey to Texaco. Yes, you heard me right. We get our Christmas turkey from the gas station down the street. Now, this is not as shocking as you might think because our particular gas station has plate lunch specials that are some of the best country cooking in town. So now our tradition is that we outsource our turkey and dressing to Texaco. We outsource our chocolate chip pecan pie to Cracker Barrel, our cheesecake to Sam's, and our rolls to Sister Schubert. Yes, I do cook a little. I open a can or two of Lesseur English peas. I make a bean and corn casserole. That's my main contribution to cooking for Christmas. And uh, the leftovers disappear fast. And sometimes I make a frozen strawberry salad or a lime jello salad from my mom's recipes. This year, my youngest son, Thomas, asked for mashed potatoes. I planned to make them from scratch, but I ran out of time and I ended up using Hungry Jack Flakes. I am telling you, there is no Pinterest perfection pressure here in my holiday. If I can confess on the radio to using Hungry Jack Flakes for our Thanksgiving mashed potatoes, 
you can take some of the pressure off yourself too, right? And our Christmas morning breakfast tradition, no, I'm not one of those brilliant, well-prepared people who makes a casserole the night before. We have canned Pillsbury cinnamon rolls for Christmas morning, and my boys love them, and they would be very upset if I broke that tradition. Now, all of that's fine and special memories, but as you may know, I've been a single parent since uh, 2001, which means that my boys spend part of every holiday with their dad, usually at their grandparents' house. So this means that instead of Christmas and Thanksgiving always being a special fun family time, sometimes it can be a lonely time as well. And at first, I used to really feel sorry for myself and and kind of be sad. And it still is sad to be separated from the kids on Christmas. But I figured out a long time ago that I was going to have to find a way to turn it into a positive experience instead of a negative one. So if you're alone at Christmas, whether you're a single parent or maybe a widow um, or are never married, uh, but if you're alone, some of the things I would encourage you to do are to keep up old traditions and also establish new ones. And instead of spending time feeling sorry for yourself, help someone else. Uh, Helping someone who's worse off than you are can really help you be thankful for your own blessings. You can help someone else through volunteering, maybe serving a meal at um, a local food pantry or homeless shelter, by being hospitable and inviting someone to join you uh, for your meal or simply by getting together with others, maybe even for a meal at a restaurant. Um, You can also do something special for yourself. Uh, One of the things I like to do is set aside a novel to read at Christmas while the boys are gone, and that's something I can indulge in and enjoy myself, again, in front of that fire with the tree lights on. Now, if you're not a single parent yourself, but you almost certainly know someone, here are some things that you can do to help them. And these are just ways that other people have blessed me um, that I want to pass along that you may be able to bless someone that you know. You can invite a single parent family, the parent and the kids, to dinner. The first year we moved to Tupelo, where we live now, our pastor and his wife, Tim and Anna Fortner, had us all over to their house. I think my mom and dad came too, if I remember correctly. But um, that was a very special blessing and made us feel welcome in our new town. Another thing that you can do is keeping in mind that um, in a family where there's a divorce, one parent may be alone for Christmas. You can invite that parent to join your father. The kids are away visiting the other parent. Often a single parent family has financial difficulties. Uh, One family in our church has anonymously, well, I know who it is, but my kids don't, provided candy for my boy's stockings every Christmas for 12 years. Another year, quite a few years ago, um, when my business was a little bit slow, somehow someone local knew that we were having financial troubles that year. And one day I went out to our mailbox and found an envelope uh, marked from Santa uh, with $200 in it. And that made all the difference to our Christmas celebration that year. Maybe you don't have the resources to give a big financial gift like that, but maybe there's a small thing you can do, even a a small gift certificate to a local restaurant or something like that. But if you're alone, try to find a way to serve someone else and to do something special. Or if you're not alone, try to find a way to help someone who is. Well, I've been talking for a long time, but this is something that's really close to my heart. I love the memories of Christmas and the family time. Uh, But 
give yourself permission to do what you can with what you have, where you are, as Theodore Roosevelt said. Don't put pressure on yourself to have a Pinterest perfect Christmas. Instead, just do what you can. Focus on your family and especially on Christ. And that is what will make Christmas meaningful. And I'd like to leave you with the words of Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Flourish at Home show. For more encouragement, visit Mary Jo at flourishathome.com. The Flourish at Home show is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.